This time on the Internet Computer Weekly, I'm joined by Rick Porter of Discover One, which I guess I'd loosely characterize as a decentralized Reddit. Is that fair? Yeah, you know, uh, TLDR, Discover is decentralized Reddit. And, and what does that really mean? Is a decentralized news aggregator, right? And uh, it, it's basically just a place that people can come and share news and have discussions and uh, kind of perform in some sort of discourse on a decentralized web. How did you find yourself involved in um, the internet computer? How did Discover come to be? Did one occur before the other, or were they a um, was Discover something you developed as a result of your interest or? in the internet. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, so a couple years ago, I was working for a company called Boston Consulting Group. And we were doing a project for De Beers. It's like a diamond traceability project. And uh, this is where you trace the diamonds from the time they leave the mine to the time they hit the retailer. And you can imagine all the different uh, actors that the, the diamond may go through as it's getting cut and polished and resized and whatnot, right? And uh, we were kind of doing all this exploration and Definity was a big focus. Like, could we build this on with Definity on the internet computer? And we were using like Intel SGX to perform uh, secure computes with inside of those enclaves. And we, at the time, were building on top of Ethereum, which, at, you know, we couldn't achieve the scalability that we needed for uh, our clients at the time. And so it was always like, well, we'll, we'll eventually build on the internet computer. We'll eventually. Uh, use Definity's help and do that. And so I've been involved with uh, Definity back and forth for the past couple of years. And uh, I started working for a company where they developed uh, Origin. Origin is the uh, uh, the watch traceability where they use machine learning to identify unique watches and things like that. Um, and, and there's a lot more depth to that, but I'm not quite sure what's exactly been shared. And uh, you know, I was thinking, I really want to build something open source. I really want to build something interesting. So in uh, sometime in, I think it was October of last year, I started working on an assembly script, CDK, canister development kit. And this kind of allows you to put, uh, develop within assembly script, uh, assembly script, compile it into Wasm and put it onto the uh, Definity network or the internet computers network. And uh, it, it was, it worked, it worked to an extent, um, you know, I got it to some sort of alpha sometime in January, and you could develop a series of applications. You could have semi-complex relationships, but the reality is, is Definity at the time was moving so fast that I really couldn't keep up with the canister development kit. But what I kept noticing in all my patterns was, I feel like I was building, like I could build a social network with this. I feel like the relationships uh, with inside of the canisters all kind of made sense where I could see okay, you have like comments and you have posts and you have real time and you could query it this way. You could do polling this way. So I was thinking maybe I could build something like Reddit um, as a, just as an alpha, right? Like, let's just see if this is possible. So I think I finished that sometime at the end of February. And uh, I can't remember how long Sodium has been around at this point, but I was like, let me just throw it on Sodium. And, and this is a testnet kind of a pre-release uh, before mainnet for the internet computer. And I threw it on Sodium and I sent the link in some uh, some Telegram chat. 
And it just kind of like kept on growing and growing and people started posting stuff. And then I was like, wow, this actually, it works. You know, I threw in real-time chat. I started adding like notifications and, and I want to say real-time chat. I, like I want to put heavy, heavy quotes around that, but uh, it, it worked to an extent. And I realized that, wow, this is a global application. This could actually work. So I, I put a lot of energy into figuring out how do you actually build Something like Reddit, a decentralized news aggregator where you have upvotes, you have commenting, you have sharing, you have cross posts, you have some sort of moderation, you have, and how do you integrate it in a decentralized way where you, you can put in some sort of token system and empower the users to make these decisions? So the alpha got to a point where I kind of designed it in a way that it could no longer be upgraded. And that was a mistake on my end, but you know, it didn't matter at the time. Because I didn't expect it to grow. I mean, if if so, if I could go back in time and said, "Hey, this is going to grow this big," I don't think I myself would have believed the time traveler future of myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you're the first person to find yourself and wearing those shoes. Yeah, it, it was great too. You know, uh, the community was very kind and responsive, and they gave me so much input on like, "Hey, this this I wish this worked like this. I wish I could do that." And dealing with internet, like a world scale input, like you're dealing with multiple types of languages and uh, people have all these different types of ways they actually want to use the system. So it was a lot of learning on how do you actually target a global audience uh, for a decentralized system. And, you know, you just saw there's infinite amount of learnings because on a centralized system, all these problems are pretty simple, quite, quite honestly, right? They're very, very well established techniques to solve most of these problems. But in the decentralized world, it's really hard to know who your user is without actually explicitly reaching out to them and having a conversation about, uh, with them and, and trying to understand what their expectations are. Wow. So it sounds like you've been on quite the journey then. Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I think the, the user's... For sure. And I know that's like kind of, I feel like that's a cheesy thing to say. It's all about the users, but uh, like it's literally impossible for this to exist if the users weren't uh, as responsive as they are, because there's no way I would have known about, I don't even know 90% of the problems that have happened with the site unless someone actually like wrote a post on the site breaking down what actions they're taking. Because in the centralized world, you just, you just throw in mix panel or you throw in some sort of analytics that tell you, oh, the user's hitting these errors or the user's going, trying to go through these flows or performing these click patterns. So you don't, like you could get those tools, but like, I feel like it kind of breaks the, the ethos of decentralized technology <laughs> yeah. and snooping in on the user, right? So what is it about a decentralized Reddit that makes it materially different from a centralized Reddit or, or is it materially different? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, the to me, it really comes down to the governance of the system uh, and the integrations of the system. And I feel like at the beginning, I glossed over, well, you do governance, right? You know, and then you're kind of like shaking your head like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, what does governance actually really mean in a, social, uh, a decentralized social network, right? And like, how are you not only empowering the moderators of the platform and the administrators of the platform, but more importantly, the users of the platform to be making these decisions. And this went from, okay, I think I have a couple ideas to, yeah, this is going to take a lot of thinking and, and working with this community to understand 
how do we actually prevent things like mod abuse, uh, but empower a mod to be able to make decisions over their portal, but still empower in some way, empower the, the um, content creators, right? Because you're not necessarily, they're the same, they're not the same actor, right? Some, a moderator and a content creator could be completely two different people. But how do you, in some way, level the playing field so that they're both empowered to make decisions for the platform and they're both getting the value out of what the actions they are performing for the platform? So how do you actually solve that problem? <laughs> I don't I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good question, right? Uh, you know, you got to bring in... So this is why we went with a multi-token approach, right? Um, one is we wanted to kind of keep the authenticity, right? So I, I really think everything comes down to being authentic. And, and we we all quickly can look at something and say, okay, this, this doesn't look authentic. This looks like it's just a bunch of uh, generated content from bots. Or this just doesn't feel... Uh, real, you know, it's like it's kind of like that uncanny valley when you're watching a 3D movie. You're like, okay, uh, that when you're surprised by the scenes that look absolutely real, and then you're you're really questioning uh, older films or or scenes that just don't look real. Um, you sometimes just can't explain why. I kind of I think you kind of get that same thing when working on social platforms. So it's like, how do we really bring authenticity to a platform? And going back to that two token model. Um, the, the intention is with this token model is that we have the service token where people are looking to extract eco, purely economic value out of the platform, where the social token owner is not necessarily looking for economic value. They are, but they're also looking for improving. How do we improve the user experience and how do we improve uh, the actual platform from a user's perspective? Can you explain the token model a bit more um, comprehensively? So we've got two tokens. You've got the social token. What was the other token? Uh, a service. We're calling it the service token for now. But yeah, the service token is for getting some form of economic value out of the platform. And we're working closely with a tokenomics expert to make sure that you know the token, that service token is getting uh, all the proper checks put in place and it has the economic benefits needed to not only power Discover as a platform, like Discover is going to cost money, right? It's it's it requires energy, it requires compu- uh, computation power to actually function. So we something's got to pay for that, right? And um, and also the platform might make money, right? There's there's different paths to revenue that don't always involve ads, but there's definitely paths to revenue. So how do we benefit those investors that are are looking for that economic value, and then? Second is is the social token, right? Um, and and I kind of want to go back to why two tokens real quick. The idea behind two tokens is that we didn't necessarily want a way that someone could just simply buy their way into a community, right? Like like oh, this is a great community, and I can just buy up all the tokens and have governing rights over this community. We wanted a way that these social token holders could have to earn their way into the community. They would have to establish um, establish themselves as a person in the community that people actually are looking up to and are some sort of representative. And the way that they are earning that like clout, as you could say, is that they're earning it through these social tokens, which are earned through upvotes. And there's so many mechanics 
that distribute the token upon an upvote. Uh, but we, we could dive into that. But uh, there's a lot of ways that one upvote gets distributed to not only the people, the person who's commented, but the person who's created the content to the person who actually owns and manages the portal. This is funny you mention this because um, I'm not sure if you're aware of Let's Talk Bitcoin and Adam Levine. Uh, what was it? Uh, Let's Talk Bitcoin. It was the oh, first yeah. Bitcoin podcast, right? They did like Adam Levine did a lot of this stuff back in that back in the day. He was like the first major token experimenter. Interesting. You talk about that. Tell me about that. Well, so they had the Let's Talk Bitcoin token um, or coin. Let's Talk Bitcoin coin. And what they did was, if you published a podcast or made a post, you got a base number of tokens. And then if it was upvoted or read a certain number of times, every person who read it or upvoted it would get a token or a share of, of a monthly distribution of tokens that were divided among readers and content producers. It was, it was spectacular. And they, he had a system for determining whether or not someone had watched, had uh, listened to a, a podcast episode. Um, and yeah, it was, it was spectacular. And so it sounds like something that might be might be applicable to <laughs> to discover one. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Uh, and, and you know, it's great to hear these things because it's like you know a big uh, one of the big things that we looked at was steam it quite a bit, right? And there's a lot of different aspects of steam it that I was like, okay, that, I think they're getting this one right, but other things I wasn't I wasn't quite sure that they were hitting it right. But that's very interesting. That's a very, uh, I see the parallels between things that exist in the centralized world and the thing that you've just described. Yeah, and I've definitely got to check that out. There's, um, the, but there's a lot of parallels to that, I think. You know, there's, there's got to be a way to empower the chain of people, right? The, the graph of people who are participating in the, the success and the visibility of content, right? There's got, there's, it's just it's just not one person creating it. It's a collective of people creating it, and it's uh, and there's somehow there's got to be a way to distribute that to the collective. I think we've seen a lot of experiments, but we've never seen anything I think achieve sufficient adoption uh, or s sufficient scale of adoption for a economic model that enables that to become dominant or sufficiently battle tested to be reused and accepted as a uh, as a solution yeah i, I completely agree and, and that's kind of why like i'm just trying to call them experiments right now like let's just experiment with how do let's say the tokens work like x y and z let's say every time you're the last up you're the last commenter on the entire system maybe there's a reward maybe you're the first commenter right you're the you found the, the diamond in the rough, or you found the needle in the haystack, right? You're, you're that uh, Gen 1 uh, content cre uh, curator digging through, like what they would call on the Reddit, the new, you know, the Knights of New, the people who are actually going through all the new content and trying to discover <laughs> yeah. something interesting about it. And, and there's so much value in that, right? There's so, you know, that's... And it's so authentic too that the, the user who is actually trying to help uh, be a tastemaker and discover new content uh, is it's such an interesting thing. Uh, and also, as all the people who comment on it, like a very unassuming and uninteresting post, can be 
extremely interesting uh, based just based off the comments alone. I mean, I find myself on Reddit all the time, like, okay, you know, what did the comments have to say about this? What is, uh, what is the group saying? What does the group think about this right now? And then you discover, oh, well, this person has uh, all this background on this information. And this person has all these different links associated to this post. And I think to me, that's like, they're just part of the success of that of that piece of content making its way up through the uh, the interwebs, right? So how many users do you have? Um, I think we just crossed over 3,800 users uh, maybe like an hour ago. I can't remember. Wow. Uh, and yeah, 47,000 posts and comments. And I think it's about 9,000 posts uh, and the rest being comments. So how much is that costing to run? Yeah, you know, we're kind of keeping we're keeping our cycle costs a little close to our chest. We don't want to create the incorrect narrative right now. Um, and I, I think it's mostly on my side. You know, I've for maybe a couple weeks, I had a double query on the comments. So every time you looked at a comment, it would pull the comments twice for every single user. So I really want to get those optimizations down before we really start talking about total costs for Discover. But it's not that significant. And I also want to point out our state. I'm actually curious. Do you do you know much about like storage and the amount of storage things typically take? Like how many megabytes Discover might be? No, no, I've I've absolutely no idea. Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, I'm the total state of Discover right now is about fifty megabytes, uh, which. Well, I know that's I'm, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm guessing at the end of this recording, uh, both of our audio files might be, I, I don't know what the bit rate of these are, but. We're recording megabytes. in waves. So it's going to be, you know, they'll both be um, a couple hundred megabytes. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the, this audio recording is uh, larger than the total state of Discover at this point. And um, I mean, so if you look at that 50 megabytes and you look at how many posts, comments, users, notifications, notifications use an absurd amount of space. Uh, uh, there's this thing called votes, content votes. So you can't double upvote something, meaning like if you upvote something and then you unupvote it and then you upvote it again, it won't trigger another reward, which is another just massive amount of uh, percent of that state, uh, surprisingly. You know, and there's 50,000 upvotes on the site total. Um, and that's, I haven't checked that number in a bit, but all that combined is about 50 megabytes. So if you think about, you get four gigabytes out of a canister and yeah, you're going to probably need quite a bit of space. I use Rust, so there's no garbage collection. Quick aside here, garbage collection is a memory management technique that the Matoko language uses. Uh, it's not native to the internet computer itself. The reason they have it is to make programs behave more predictably, but it has computing costs. And I guess uh, consuming a larger amount of memory is part of that. Unintuitively, considering it's called garbage collection. But uh, you're still probably going to get like two and a half gigabytes. Okay, that's interesting because my understanding was, yeah, that while there is... Um, up to four gigabytes of storage. Garbage collection takes up up to two gigabytes. Um, yep. 
But it's interesting. So you use Rust, so you're able to access a full four gigabytes in a canister? I have no idea. <laughs> I would love to be like, oh, yes, absolutely. I know this. But you know what? I, I'm deep in this unknown. Um, and my assumption is definitely not. I uh, There's a lot of reasons why I probably would not be able to access that four gigabytes, especially when you're performing backups or uh, large migrations or my indexes are probably going to grow exponentially. I index everything to give you that quick lookup. Um, but let, let's just say I'm also going to get that two gigabytes. And, and just to put it out there, I'm exploring, you know, I started off with Matoko and I really liked Matoko. And the only reason I went with Rust is I didn't know what I didn't, I, I didn't know what I didn't need or I didn't know what I needed. And I was like, well, if I don't know what I need, I'm just going to go with Rust. And then if I need anything like regex or some sort of special library to perform something that I don't want to program, I can just leverage it from the community. But the way Matoko's growing, I'm thinking, well, Matoko's going to give me all the bells and whistles I need to scale. So it's probably going to be smarter to go long term with Matoko. But uh, working my way back, yeah, I'm expecting two gigabytes. So. If we think about that, you know, that's about 20x. So the whole site can grow about 20 times bigger within just the canister that it sits in. And uh, to put it out there, I think this might be interesting. I'm, I have a mono canister. I'm only using one canister for everything. Okay, rather than dividing it among different canisters. But that's kind of, I, I feel like that's more of a scalability um, concern. Yeah, you know, um, the project really started, you know, a while ago, and I don't think we or I was as comfortable with multiple canisters at that point. And um, I'm kind like I'm kind of glad I went mono canister at first because it's I've clearly identified why how I would do a multi canister approach. But um, also, my state is so small that. I'll eventually need to go to multi-canister. And I, I think by the time I have to perform to do that approach and to go multi-canister, I'll have the clearest answer on how to actually set that up. But, um, you know, I, I don't store images. I'm just storing text. And two gigabytes of text is a lot of text. So right now, there's a bunch of different social platforms being developed on Definity. You've got OpenChat, District. Yeah, um, capsule can can. So there's a lot going on there. I'm wondering what you expect to happen regarding the evolution of this multi-product uh, ecosystem, and whether or not these things are going to interact. If they are, how that's going to happen? Yeah, a really good question. Um, I think. The only way, no one is as great as all of us. And I think no one is going to develop an application better than all of us, right? Meaning it's going to take all of us to be able to take on the centralized web. And um, integrations are going to be absolutely key in that. How do we uh, work together? How, would, how do we create some sort of uh, cross-functional system so that you know, my backend canisters, the canisters that are powering Discover can some way leverage OpenChat in some way. Um, and some, some way leverage District and some way leverage Capsule. And and there's even a Twitter and a CanCan, -can, right? Like, uh, and, and I think the CanCan -can one's a little bit easier is like, 
the video encoding and all the different services needed for video services, if they decentralize those, I mean, they've essentially created um, some sort, some form of like uh, Vimeo, right? For uh, for the decentralized web, some sort of video provider, right? So you could, I could provide an integration on Discover where you could just go and upload a video, and it would go through all the transcoding uh, needed. You know, something like an FFmpeg typically handles to uh, get the get the video in the right format suitable for the web. And I think integrations are going to be key. So, and another thing too is like my site doesn't have the ability to direct message anyone, and uh, and I've I've definitely thought okay I could I could privatize the post and then somehow turn the comment system into a messaging system, but like I don't want to deviate. I want to solve the problem I'm solving as well as I can. Right? I want to really solve that. How am I creating this kind of like Reddit style system that has the upvotes, the posts, the contents, the sharing? But like, is there a way I can integrate my direct messaging directly into open chat? So all my users are automatically have an identity uh, through the identity provider on open chat. And as soon as they go to direct message someone, they're put into uh, another window. It's maybe an iframe, but there's some form of integration that allows them to communicate directly. And I think that is going to be key into success of all these different social applications being built on the internet computer is how do we build this like programmable uh, centralized web, right? So that we can all work together on solving our individual problems while uh, leveraging the hard work that we've all put into our uh, individual projects. So how do you see the future of social media and um, content aggregation in particular developing now that we have these decentralized platforms to work with? Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, um, it's almost like looking at what the centralized web is doing wrong and then figuring out how to work our way to a system that we feel is right and then figuring out how that applies to the decentralized web. Uh, Maybe that's the right approach. But, um, you know, like one thing I've always thought about is I use Facebook because I need to talk to certain friends who only use Facebook and I need to talk. My mom still uses Facebook. And if uh, I want her to know that uh, I am still living happy and healthy, I could post an image to my Instagram or Facebook and she'll be like, oh, that's my son. And he's still happy, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And uh, but the thing is, is like, how do I? Like, how do I take all that information that I've given to Facebook, uh, which they own, and I've agreed to it in some way, but what happens if in the future on the decentralized web, if I don't agree with the system that I'm on, why can't I just unplug myself, right? And take all this content that I've created and plug it into another system. And how, and how do you make that simple, right? Like, how do you make that process as simple as you know what it's a it's a checkbox uncheck uh facebook and check you know uh decentralized book whatever it's going to be called and now i've i've kind of moved my identity to this other platform and i think that's kind of one approach that the decentralized uh social the decentralized social is going to take is like how do i make my identity portable and we already see this with ERC-20 tokens. We already see this with NFTs, right? 
you you create an NFT on Ethereum and it's available on Rarible, Super Rare or uh, Rarible, I think is one, and OpenSea and the many other types of networks. So instead of just an NFT, what happens if it's someone's social presence? Can I just move my social presence from one decentralized site to another where I align better with the the ecosystem and the rules that are governing it and, and possibly the other users? Um, which kind of even goes into further questions. Are we just going to get, are we going to be building more uh, the social ecosystems that align with our thinking or align with the niche that we are in? And um, which that presents a million concerns within itself. But uh, I, I feel like the decentralized web is you're going to have more of a portable presence and more portable identity. How will that work with single canister applications like Discover One? Yeah, you know, um, Discover is single canister for now. Um, and that's actually changing probably in the next month. But yeah, let's say it is, a, even if it is a, a single canister system or a multi canister, canister system, we need to take, we need to agree on like the ERC 20 for social presence. You know, the ERC-20 for social, like who knows what that looks like, right? Uh, you can kind of imagine, it, I've been working, I work closely with the data model for Discover, obviously, but like there's going to have to be some sort of um, layer that allows people to be portable and, and follow some form of protocol, some form of standards to allow that portability of your own identity and all that content is associated with it. Um, there's there's examples of this, but there's not a ton of great examples of this. Do you think this might take the form of a personal canister that holds all your data and you plug it into different services? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that would be, uh, I think that's probably pretty spot on, right? Where you, your identity is represented by uh, a canister or a cluster of canisters, right? And your identity follows, you know, social identity 1.2 you know or whatever the the current version identity is. standard is for a social yeah right yeah you know uh, i don't know what that's going to be called but yeah it's some sort of and it's a a protocol for uh other sites can tap into and be like hey uh you know uh arthur you're you're a big uh influencer right now so how about uh your you take your identity and all your podcasts and all the content you've created and expose it to my site and now your your identity has become spread across across multiple sites, which you've approved of in some way, right? Like how crazy would that be? Like, you know, you have your your followers amongst other platforms, and then it somehow bubbles up to uh, some sort of algorithm which scores all those uh, scores that in some way, and then you kind of achieve this like global. Uh, social clout score, uh, which clout existed, but maybe this is the right way to approach it. Yeah, right. Trying to figure out how this will shake down because you, you hear this all the time, especially in the quote unquote blockchain space. We've never tried to solve these problems before. And like, <laughs> you know, but it is really difficult now that we're at the point of developing these rich decentralized applications, figuring out how to get the attributes that we actually want now that we can eat our cake or have our cake yeah. and eat it too, right? Have a high right. performance decentralized application. 
Well, now the now the hard part starts. Yeah, I, I think this is I, this is definitely not going to be a problem solved overnight, and definitely I, I don't know how much you tuned into people trying to solve the ERC twenty for the, the internet computer. Yeah, and no, I've been watching a lot. It's um, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. I it's like I almost can't look away, and then people are trying super hard to how to, how to put rails on the conversation. Like, how do you project manage decentralized uh like this right how do you how do you get groups of people to agree on what is the right approach and we're fortunate that we have all the hard work that's went into the erc20 already and all that community thought that has gone into it but like you know this this new stuff this this next layer these next layer erc20s are nfts that are going to be developed on the internet computer and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for us to figure out what are these standards. And it's going to take trust. It's going to take a lot of trust that the people who are trying to solve these problems are going to spend the time and put in and be thoughtful in the way they do solve this problem. That senior join you um, uh, character on the Definity forums was pretty insightful. He was He had some pretty good stuff to say. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, the, the Definity forums, man, there are some nuggets on there. It is some of the, uh, all the different people who've been into centralized technology over the past couple of years, who've branched off to their different, uh, protocols or blockchains. And, and now they're reconverging on the, the internet computer forums or the Definity forums. It's, you've, you're starting to get a very interesting mix of thoughts and ideas and it's, I'm extremely excited about the future from that perspective. Like, and to me, that's when really interesting problems are solved when you bring a diverse group of people together to try to solve those problems. Awesome. Well, thanks, Rick. This has been a fantastic conversation. I mean, I would expect nothing less, judge, judging by our prior chat. Is there anything else we should cover before we wrap up? Man, um, I, you know, I think we touched on some pretty good subjects, but I really think integrations like from a developer perspective, like the junior developers who are out there right now, or the developers who are starting on the internet computer, like you've got time to develop something extraordinary. You've got time to develop something very interesting. And there's great communities already within Definity, and there's better communities and that are going to be created. And to me, the time is now to develop an interest, something that you actually deeply believe in and, and develop something that you're passionate about. Um, but it's really important that you just take that first step, get your feet wet, build something and get it out there and release early and start getting the user's feedback. And if you're hearing this, reach out, reach out to me and tell me, hey, I think this could be great integration for Discover. Because I, I deeply believe the only way Discover is going to be successful is if it gets deep roots within the community and it, I start helping the community develop their applications also. Speaking of, how do people get in touch with you and learn more about Discover? Yeah, uh, just DM me, DM me on the Twitter or just reach out to me and make a post on the Discover site, write a, uh, write a message and I'll reach right out to you. Um, and my open chat name is RCKPRTR. I check, I leave open chat is uh, open throughout the day. So please message me on open chat and, and we can have a conversation. What was your um, Twitter? 
uh, discover that one. I just, you know, what was funny is I, I created the discover Twitter because someone's like, you should have a Twitter. And I was like, yeah, I guess I should make a Twitter. <laughs> so I made a Twitter and this was like deep into the alpha. And I wonder if that, that human who made that suggestion even realizes what happened to that Twitter account, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but so yeah, Twitter or open chat, reach out to either uh, and we can have a conversation. Great. Well, thanks so much, Rick. This has been a pleasure. Um, I look forward See to chatting you. again. Same, same. Uh, have a great one, man. The Internet Computer Weekly has a sister newsletter featuring news, project updates, interesting tidbits and reading that come up over the course of the week. Together, they are part of a larger effort at ecosystem building we are calling the Cycle DAO. Visit cycledao.xyz to subscribe and learn more.